Welcome, B-Movie fans, to this week's episode of B-Movie Chat. Today's topic is horror through the decades. Every generation brings something new to the genre of horror, whether it's due to technology changes or changes in the social environment. So today we will be talking what some of those changes have been and which errors we think are the best. Joining for this chat, we have Phantom Dark Dave and the host of the podcast Fright Club, Hope and George. Everyone, welcome to the show. Thanks for the invite. Does this mean we're honorary bros? I'd say so, yep. <laughs> All right. You passed the initiation. <laughs> <laughs> so, as far as like horror goes, do you guys have a favorite era of horror, like a favorite decade or anything like that? Kind of a loaded question, but... Uh... Well, I'm, I'm, I'm usually a Mr. 70s. Um, I like all things 70s because that's pretty much when I grew up and I came of age. So uh, I'm, a, I'm partial to the 70s. You know, it's not, I mean, on the whole, that's not necessarily my era. But in terms of especially American horror, I got to actually go with the 70s. Like late 60s to mid to late 70s, I think, um, is the best era until today, honestly. Yeah. I think yeah. that from about 2005 yes. to, to this very minute, we are seeing more great horror like per day than we've ever seen in history. Agreed. Yeah, I'm right there with you guys. I've loved horror all the way back to the silent film era, but there was something about the late 60s and, and the progression through the 70s where it established a type of horror movie and everybody went to mimic what others were doing. And some of the best horror movies out there came out in the mid to late 70s. But I feel like in the 80s, it went a whole different direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everything went a different direction yeah. in the eighties. <laughs> I think, I think with almost all the the, the decades, uh, you can look at what was going on in the world, and you look at society, social, political uh, movements in the late sixties, early seventies. There was a lot going on, and that that was reflected in all types of art, and and of course in horror movies. Yeah, Vietnam, civil rights, you know, um, sexual the revolution, Hill, sexual revolution. All those things work their way, and then also just in terms of independent film, generally speaking, you know they, uh, you know, movies left the studio system really in the late '60s and early '70s, and you saw a boom in independent filmmaking all over the United States. So that bled into horror too, and and also drugs. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> that helps everything. Yeah, I know that. The 80s became more of this the splatter, let's make elaborate death scenes if we can. And the 90s was kind of weird because I feel like horror took a serious downfall, like a huge dip. I mean, I think Scream was one of the better movies because it started to bring horror back. But yeah. I like what you said about you know mid-2000s really creating this new type of horror because there, all these new filmmakers are coming out. And I don't know what term, but it just feels like people are getting you know ballsier. Everybody's taking more and bigger risks. And you have some directors who are boycotting CGI. You have some directors who really just know how to get under your skin uh, – um, kind of like when you watch a, like a James Wan film, you know, you're yeah. watching say, like he's creates they're not even graphic, but there's general chills in his movies. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it is. I, so we've also seen here just in the last few years a nice rise in female horror directors, which is uh, showing, you know, so like Anna Lily Amanpour. And Jennifer Kent yeah. and the Babadook, you know, and that's, that's, oh, yeah. Yeah. So I think, but I think, you know, in the last 15 years, the availability in the of the technology has become just a democratizing factor in filmmaking. There are more great movies being made in every genre because they're easier to make. 
Which also sure. means there are more bad movies <laughs> yeah. being made in every genre. There are just more movies being made. But I think it's really benefited horror because horror also tends to be an easier film to make with a low budget. So I think a lot of, of first-time filmmakers, they're getting started over there, and we're seeing, I mean, just some some really great, great movies. And it's also a easy type of genre to turn a profit mm-hmm. with low budget. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the IFC channel is loaded with horror movies, as is yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, one of the things, um, since you said that movies became easier for uh, independent filmmakers, was in the early 2000s, the whole found footage thing happened, so I think that kind of inspired a lot of people, too. I can make my own movie in my backyard, basically, so... Right. You got mm-hmm. like, some yeah. people who were very talented at it, some that weren't, but like the ones that were, like... Um, Obviously, you had the Blair Witch Project, and you had Cloverfield, and certain things like that. So I think that kind of helped inspire some creativity from unexpected places. Anything that's a success is going to get copycats in in really anything. And, of course, you'll see some that, like you said, have talent, and many that don't. Right. (laughs) But, but you know, I think you're right, Paul. People saw a found footage film and thought... Well, I could do that, mm-hmm. you know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, we saw a huge boom in those. I had a question, Paul. What's I know where Hope and George stand on this, but I don't think you and I have really talked. How do you feel about the original Blair Witch Project? I thought for what it was, it was pretty good. Um, I actually saw it, like, way after it came out, but hmm. I enjoyed it. I like the fact that they don't really show much of anything. I, like, mm-hmm. thought that um, just the anticipation that was built up, like, really came to um it really came to fruition at the very end i thought overall it was pretty good right on yeah i I mean i I don't think i've ever publicly announced it but uh yeah the fright club podcast is literally my favorite podcast so if i know like creepy info about them it's just because i've listened to every episode in the last (laughs) (laughs) thank you Um, you're welcome no it definitely thank you yeah i I like to take credit to get paul into that you're welcome (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but, so I assume um, what you're going to say is that the Blair Witch Project is the movie that scared me more than any other movie ever, which is true. It did. <laughs> well, I was going to say, when he asked about found footage, I was like, oh, he's stepping on their toes now, because I know you particularly aren't too fond of that genre or that type. I am not. You are correct. I am not. But we did do, we dug in and we found um, five that we really, really thought were great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but... Blair Witch among them. But it can be done well, And uh, but I think that too often filmmakers go to a found footage just as a cheat. You know, it's like it's a, it's an excuse to not have to really develop a storyline into. I mean, it certainly is a way to to get around a budget, and I understand that. But I mean, I think far too often uh, people cheat on the writing. Yeah, and I and I still I still carry the flag for for Blair Witch because I think it gets a, a bad rap when people just think of it and remember all the baggage that all the years have brought, like the you know the backlash from the the, the social media campaign and how. You know, everybody thought it was real for a while, and I, I think it now it's hard to to look at it without all that baggage. But I think when it came out, and it, you you try to strip away all that's that's happened in those all those intervening years, and I thought it was damn good. Yeah, I remember when that came out, and I did not get to see it in theater. But as soon as it was on VHS, I had got it, and a friend of mine watched it. And it's one of those movies. It's not like a party movie where everybody gather around, the lights are on. You have to really indulge in the film. Mm-hmm. And if you put yourself in that situation, that movie really is terrifying. It takes it places where everybody is uncomfortable. And um, 
I look, you talked about, you know, a lot of movies are scarred from bad writing, especially with found footage. And when I watched Blair Witch, I was like, this is so cool. Like this group of people got together, said, let's like make a movie, but let, let's really think about it and let, let's put it out there and let's really give it everything we got. We don't have a lot of money. You know, we can't fake a ghost or a witch or anything, but we need to act like it's really there. And I think that it was very well done. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yep. Definitely. One thing I was thinking when you said that the reason people kind of do it is it's easy to do and because a lot of them end up being the same movie was um, in a lot of ways I kind of feel that's the way about slashers like I love slasher films but there are so many copycat slasher films out there especially in independent films where um, it kind of reminds me of the found footage thing where it's just a guy kind of with a knife or an axe or some kind of sharp object killing people because it's not that difficult to do if you having a few materials uh, I kind of feel like like with um, certain genres like that it's very you're gonna get a lot more copycats just because they are so easy to do yeah I think you're right and the you know the you know after Halloween came out the genre basically abandoned everything except slashers you yeah. know it's like yeah. because that movie was made for so little money and it made such an insane amount of money and it just created a pattern that any other horror filmmaker could just follow and 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 they you know for the entire decade made an ass load of money on slashers so i think you're right and 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 it, i think that there were so many made that it's almost impossible without doing something like so so, so something really tongue in cheek like scream to do a slasher and have it be fresh in any way yeah, I, I completely agree. I, I really like what, what that movie was able to do with kind of teaching some of the older movies, going over the rules and, and allowing new ground. Um, Paul, you talked about, you know, the 2000s um, kind of being where um, found footage films are. And I would also say that shares another big point. I think the millennium has brought forth like the genre of remakes. Oh, yeah. I think there's been a lot more remakes now than there ever has been. Yeah, I think so, too. Some of them are great. Most of them are not, but some of them are great. <laughs> Do you guys have any favorite? I, I think, George, your favorite's probably the Evil Dead remake, right? Versus the original. <laughs> I like the Evil Dead remake a lot. And then uh, we always talk about uh, American remakes of foreign films. We both like oh. the remake of The Ring very much. And um, Let Me In. Let Me In. Oh, Let Me In, yeah. <laughs> let Me In, I love. Uh, not quite as much as Let the Right One In, but it's close. Yeah, yeah. Hey, Paul, what about you? Remakes uh, better or just as good as an original? Um, that's a good question. I'm trying to think of ones that, like, whenever the word remake comes up, I instantly think bad. But, yeah, there have been good ones. Ah, uh, darn. Uh, I'm have to yeah, as long as a remake, you know, pays justice to the original in, in some way, it, it works for me. Like, I know um, the Blair Witch remake had recently came out, and I was really nervous about it. But, you know, I like Adam Wingard. I like what he does. I like the VHS stuff. So I, I checked it out. And, you know, you got to watch a movie without any expectation. And, I, you know, I was not disappointed, not to mention um, – just the way like the last 30 minutes go really i liked a lot yeah i i did enjoy that and, and you know technically speaking it's it's a, a sequel and not a remake i mean although it does use a lot of the same tropes and i think for good reason and for good effect but um i liked it i liked yeah, it yeah i liked it too which is funny because it just it bombed you know, it did, and yeah. it also got uh, it got really, really mixed to negative reviews, and I was surprised because I thought 
I thought people who like the original would love it because it is it is pretty um you know respectful of the original. But yet ups the ante. People yeah. who didn't like the original because they thought it was boring and didn't do anything would like this. Just tons of stuff happening. Yeah, yeah, it surprised me too. But I yeah I I was impressed by it. I I know a lot of people talk about Adam Wingard. You know a lot of people like your next a lot better than I do. Um, I thought uh, I thought Blair Witch was his, his best movie. Although to be fair, your next is one on our list to rewatch because yeah. it gets so much love and we both I've only seen it once and we didn't love it that much. But we want we want to see it again to give it another shot. Yeah, I I, I think you got to put me down. I actually like that movie a lot too. <laughs> so. Which one? Your next. Your next. Your next. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's fair. No, it, that's I'm fair. Curious to Some... see if it does better. Some deserve, <laughs> yes. Yeah, some deserve uh, another look for sure. So, man, we jumped right like the decades. We just went to modern. Yeah, we did. And I know. Well, we know you. Uh, you like <laughs> a lot of the older stuff, yeah, like way effects, older. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the like boring 1920s. one in the group. You don't even have to have dialogue talk, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's okay. There, there's, you know, there can be some very effective, you know, going back to the silent era for sure. Well, you know what oh, I love too about the ones that are back? Uh, everything that came out before the MPAA ratings. Yeah. Because, you know, <laughs> there were some stuff in those movies that was so weird, yeah. just weird and wrong, which I'm always looking for. <laughs> yeah, anytime you get one of those discs, it's got a big NR on it. They're not rated. There's no warning of what you're getting into. Yeah, it's, I know. But... I listen, you were doing something on Todd Browning the other day. Um, oh yeah, Dave, and uh, I know you're a big fan of his, and and boy, he made really for me before he made Dracula, uh, he made some of his better, weirder movies, and my favorite of his is Freaks, Freaks actually. Yeah, yeah. But you know, through the 20s and 30s, the stuff that he was making, on the whole, I think was mostly aside from Dracula, under the radar and and just subversive and brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was talking to Paul. I. I we were going back and forth over which director and I'm like how do you feel about Todd Browning and <laughs> Paul is Paul he's like cool let's do it and I'm like well it's it's a, a secret for me because yeah I want him to watch more Lon Chaney movies and what better way than say hey well they did like five together you should should check right. that out yeah. and um, oh man I just there's so many movies by Todd Browning and Lon Chaney that I absolutely adore and so many that you can still get which is great but this upcoming week we're going to do one on London After Midnight, which nobody gets to own. It's so sad. Oh. Yeah, the lost silent film that... Mm. Have you guys... Did you... Uh, on the You guys seen the Masters of Horror series, right? Yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, do you Not remember everyone. the Cigarette Burns episode where... Yeah. That col- the, you know, he's looking for the Le Fin Absolute Demon film? That's kind of yeah. like how I feel about London After Midnight. <laughs> if someone's like, I have a surviving print, you can have it. Just let me have an arm. I'll be like, which arm do you want? <laughs> I, I would. Oh, so. But the the thing we're reviewing is really cool. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see it, but it's like a forty five minute mashup of photos, and you know, it's got the music and it tells the story very beautifully. I've already seen it. It's very effective. You do. You. I mean, it puts together really well. But hmm. I, I hope to be able to talk about it and maybe get people to at least watch that kind of film. That's yeah, no, I'd love to see that it. We haven't very, seen very cool. It came in a um box set that I have of Lon Chaney's and I was like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so Paul what um what's one of your favorite decades of horror one of my favorite decades oddly enough is the 1950s because there was this hmm. weird trend of attack of the giant something and oh I'm yeah so intrigued by that because it's so funny like I love those like oh 
look out, there is a giant, you know, fill in blank here. And I just, I found those movies very charming. Oh yeah, there's always room for a, a good monster movie. Yeah, it's funny. So the 1950s was really the rise of William Castle. So, uh, which is, you know, the, the, the king of those, yeah. the king of those sort of, look out, there's a, you know, a giant, you know, praying mantis, or there's a, <laughs> a tingler, or there's a, but, and then, you know, just generally speaking, it was a, a reaction to the Cold War and the idea that atomic power was mm-hmm. going to create this sort of cataclysm on Earth. And it's funny, just so, because, you know, once, a bit really, really once Godzilla, once the original Godzilla came out, Again, that was it for horror. That was it. You had creature features, period. You didn't have anything else until really the mid-60s. I think my favorite director of the 1950s is Jack Arnold, because if you just look at his career and you just look at the middle, just a consecutive row of great movies, like three or four just big movies, like he did um, Tarantula. And he did <laughs> The Deadly Mantis, and he did Creature from the Black Lagoon, the Black his Lagoon. number one. Yeah. And it just all these movies back. And if he wasn't directing, he was writing or producing. You know, he did, you know, Monster on Campus and This Island Earth and a whole bunch of just. I mean, I feel like he ruled the fifties, but that's and my it's funny. Alone. It's funny because after that, he went on to a ton of TV. I mean, directing Brady Bunches and uh, Love Boat episodes and <laughs> things like that into the into the sixties and seventies. Which to some people are monster movies too. <laughs> yeah, it's so, definitely interesting. I listened to like your you guys' last show where you guys were talking societal fears in films, and um, one of the ones you mentioned was Godzilla, and yeah. how that was basically the fear of radiation embodied into a giant lizard. And it's right. like, oh, yeah. such a great idea. Like like you guys were saying, there's like the tarantula, the attack of the giant, like um, giant everything, but. Right. I feel like it stood out so well because that was like the one of all those that did it like correctly. I mean, the others are yeah. really charming, but that one like mastered that kind of genre. Yeah, it did. One of the things I liked about it was, you know, it didn't blame the monster. Like, yeah, the monster's going to kill us all. Sure, absolutely. But it's our fault. We did this. I think that's one of the things that, that the original Godzilla got right. Mm-hmm. Um, and that better creature features over the, you know, the course of the next decade they got right as well if they did it right was was and you know and i loved actually i love how the the concept then played out into the 70s with more low budget low stakes movies like squirm squirm is one of my favorites <laughs> right where it's it's not you know it's it's just a power surge it's, but it, i just love how the concept of the you know w- the creature feature sort of weaseled its way into the genre and never really left us <laughs> That kind of reminds me of the um, the original Frankenstein from nineteen thirty one, where the movie basically tells you the monster is not really at fault, but like everyone thinks he is. So it's kind of like Godzilla in that sense, where like you kind yeah. of realize like how much we messed up in like doing something, and it's definitely interesting kind of concepts. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's funny if you compare that one uh, with um, even like Hammer's uh, uh, Curse of Frankenstein, or it, it, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's um, it's different. The uh, the the James Whale one has the film has so much empathy for the monster, and Boris Karloff's performance is so tender and wonderful. I think that's why that one is easily the best of all the Frankenstein movies is because of this investment in this poor creature. It's not his fault, and he's going to be miserable forever, and, you know, the rest of us are just paying the price for, you know, one guy deciding to play God. 
Right, and and if you even take it farther, and you look, you just look at the whole film as a metaphor between God and man, uh, you know, and you can draw empathy that way. Like, right. we're you know we're the imperfect creation. Right, you know, you can look at it that way as well. Yeah. So, Paul, I, I think we need to uh, do that director soon, so we can uh, review Frankenstein. They're making me want to watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> I love James Whale. Yeah. I love. Oh, yeah. James I, I like it much better than Dracula. Oh yes, definitely. And I like Bride. I like Bride of Frankenstein better than Frankenstein. Yeah, that was the number one on y'all's black and white, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. It was. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. And uh, I think if I'm not same director, right? He did that. Yes, both? James mm-hmm. Whale. James Whale. Awesome. Ooh. So Paul, I was going to ask you. You know, we talked about some of the great, the greatness of the '70s, right? What about the '80s? You know, as the styles change, did any horror movies in the '80s pop out to you since you like slasher so much? Um, well, definitely like the. The um, obvious ones like uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think Halloween 2 came out that year as well. I think it was 81. What about those, like, I don't know. I think it's 80s, but, you know, when they did, like, the Driller Killer and stuff like that? Yeah, I think that was, like, 78. Oh, was it? Just under missed it. Yeah. I just hold that in my head, you know, when they get it when they pride themselves on squirting ketchup bottles on the sheetrock. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's 80s horror right there. Because <laughs> it's all about rock and roll and, you know everything else yeah, you can always tell when the movie's made in the 80s the style is undeniable of course i have to say with the 80s um the evil dead and evil dead 2 which are some of my favorite films uh i think my favorite film from the 80s is a remake so i can nail two birds on one stone and i have to say john carpenter's the thing mm. oh yeah that's a good one that's a good one that's a good th- one yeah that's... and then of course you know don't, don't forget that you know the 80s at the very beginning in 1980 had the shining that's true. Right. Yeah, shiny. Oh, man. You know, Poltergeist Polter. is a great one. American World from London is a brilliant film. There were, And, and, and uh, Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer, came out in 1986, which is maybe the one bright spot of all film in 1986. Because <laughs> the late 80s sucked artistically. We had hair metal. Yeah. We had shitty movies. But, um, yeah, yeah, The Shining, though, that's... But The Thing, no, that's a good one. That's a really I good one. I love The Thing. That's my favorite John Carpenter movie. It's, yeah, it's... It's solid, yeah, and it's it's one that's only gotten better with age, right. I think. Yeah, um, I can't remember if you guys discussed this part yeah. or not, but when thinking about the movie The Thing, um, what was your thoughts on the very end sequence of that movie of <laughs> Who's an Alien Now? I can't remember. Yeah, there was differing um, differing opinions when you i think it's when you uh get the dvd maybe dvd commentary back when it came out the one actor i uh, was talking about uh how he figured out who was who was an alien and who wasn't but then then there was a a, a contradiction i think to that it's like oh, who had a either a filling or an earring or something yeah. like that and then i i think because i don't I haven't seen the the dvd commentary i just remember reading about it prepping for that uh, podcast and that there are some commentaries either uh, that 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 contradict yeah uh, maybe the actor the one actor and um and uh, john carpenter himself so uh i'm not quite sure it kind of leaves you hanging kind of leaves it things, ambiguous one of the things i love about it is that uh if john carpenter was certain when he made it who was and who wasn't at the end he didn't tell any of the actors right so because they'll all Which say is good. that is yeah. that you know they were playing it not knowing whether they themselves were right. aliens or whether they were real people which is and perfect I, I, it is perfect yeah. it's great it's the best way to do it yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it was your John Carpenter or Alien Top 5 where this one was on there and you talked about it. And I actually went on and looked at YouTube videos and so many people actually just sit there and talk about their own theories about it. (laughs) So it's it's some very interesting things going on. We love nerds. (laughs) (laughs) And geeks, right? (laughs) That's right. (laughs) There are people. uh, Two movies from the 80s I um, I can't, I have to mention are um, Reanimator and Hellraiser. Oh, Oh, yeah. That's a good one. Uh oh. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good one to bring up because that's for us. That's one of the ones where we. We differ in a, in a in a different way. Usually, it's it's a movie that she likes that I don't, uh, like Evil Dead Two. Um, <laughs> but then there's one, Hellraiser. I have a lot of love for Hellraiser, and she does not. I like the villains. I love Pinhead. I love all the villains, um, and I like a lot of the storyline. I like Aunt Julia and the creepiness, but I can't uh, um, the screechy lead actress and um, yeah, I don't love Hellraiser as much as I should. I gotta admit it. Hey, that's okay. I don't love Clive Barker as much as I should. I actually met Clive Barker. Ooh, wow. nice. Yeah, I got his autograph on this um, 11 by 14 poster. It's pretty cool. It was um, a horror convention in Texas, and I had, I paid a lot of money, and I got the wife and I into the VIP party. Ooh. And, of course, he, did, he didn't show up to that, but we <gasps> did get to ha- – I got to hang out with the whole crew of Human Centipede and take some pretty funny pictures, so that was cool. <laughs> you got you know, my arms Ooh. around each other, but then you could see the corona in one hand. <laughs> but, um, no, I was going to say, awesome. so I spent the whole next day waiting Showering? just to meet him, and uh, it was like 20 seconds of awesomeness. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The human centipede. Yeah. It's one series I've um, somehow avoided. I'm actually surprised I haven't seen any of them. I'm not sure if I really want to. I, you hey, know, Paul. I like the first one. George, I don't think did like the first one, but again, no. I love it. The, no. the that creepy doctor, though. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, um, <laughs> I like the first one. I don't like the second one, and the third one is just so over the top as to be comical yeah. and sort of soul deadening at the same time. Yeah, so. I don't, I don't but, have a lot of use for them. I don't know. Um, D. McCauley, the director of the Scars yeah. film that I wrote, yeah. his his uh, <laughs> his quote for that was, "I wish I had thought of that." Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that tells you. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I was absolutely. like, "That's crazy, man." <laughs> Although I do, I do have to get a, I got a kick out. I think it was maybe the second one where they put on the poster, "100% medically accurate." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that God. was really funny. <laughs> Oh, that I did get a kick out of that. <laughs> now, there's a movie that comes to my mind when I think about late 70s transition to 80s. It's a movie that I love a lot. It has a huge following. It has a semi-successful series. Um, but usually when I think of this movie, I put it against Reanimator for some reason. Hmm. And that movie is Phantasm. How do you feel about Phantasm? Yeah, Phantasm. Uh, I, I have a great soft spot in my heart because I forget... When did it come out? 79. 79. So I was uh, 15 So and, and saw it at the, at the drive-in. And I, as I remember, it was I just went with a bunch of people, maybe my cousins or whatever, and I didn't even know what, what I was seeing. And then there was this tall dude and this ball that went around, and I, I thought, good God. And I really probably wasn't even listening to it out of the car, you know, and just, <laughs> just watching it and thinking it was the weirdest, creepiest thing, that dude. 
You know, so yeah, I, I I have a lot of I have a soft spot for Phantasm. Yeah, I love the tall man. Mm-hmm. He's awesome, right? Angus. I also love that. Angus, yeah. Um, and I love the orb. And I have to say that a friend of ours, Matt Weiner, who also writes for our website, got me for Christmas a Christmas tree ornament of that orb, which is awesome. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so that's cool. But uh, I gotta admit that the farther along it goes, yeah. the more it turns into a Ronnie James Dio video for me. And I gotta say, I don't love. <laughs> I don't love the Phantasm, yeah. and I don't like the sequels at all. Yeah, I'm with you there. Reanimator, I love. I love Reanimator. Oh, yeah, that's a fantastic And I, and I like the sequels. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have had a chance to check out any of our hypothetical movies, but mm-hmm. is pretty high on our list because it seems like Jeffrey Combs is in almost every one of our conversations. <laughs> no, he's, he's, he's awesome. Oh, my God. He's I think best. we did one with uh, Jaws versus Titanic, and at the end, it was just Jeffrey Combs in a Jaws suit. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I love that. I just love his just righteous indignation in that weird pouty face. He yeah. Has. Oh, my God, I love him. Yeah. <laughs> He's got that perfect mis- mix of, like, social awkwardness and just, like, being just angry about everything, but, like, also yeah. interesting. <laughs> So, Paul, I know um, there was a time when I, I was listening to some of their podcasts and I, I was just kind of jotting down everything that stood out. I was like, OK, these are the movies I need to see. And um, of, uh, movies that whenever I, wa- I listen to your show, like I'm constantly like writing them on my like every note. So I have them on like all this <laughs> stuff. Like. Now, I will tell you, Aww, they've you. never stirred me wrong, but there's one that nobody can say anything about that will just be as amazing as seeing the film. And it wasn't until I heard their zombie podcast that I checked out Dead Alive. And I know you guys just watched it recently, too. And I think everybody here just literally loves that movie to death. That film is oh, amazing. God, it's so great. It's just oh, so man. over the top. It's just amazing. And, like, every, everything in that movie works perfectly. Like, the way the, like, character acts awkwardly around zombies. And it's just so out of place. It just every moment of that movie gets better. Like, it's... It's fantastic. Yeah, that's the one that for many years held the record for most gallons of fake blood used, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's- was it um, was it beaten by the Evil Dead remake? I think yes, so. Yes, because it was that that was a record held by Evil Dead Two, and then Dead Alive beat it, and then the Evil Dead remake beat, beat that. Um, and it rained blood in that one, so I don't know if anybody's going to beat the Evil Dead remake. I was going to say, what would it take to top that? <laughs> yeah. Just blood, the movie, or just yeah. <laughs> yeah. I do love Dead Alive, and I wish Peter Jackson would make another horror movie. I mean, I understand he's. Oscar bedecked at this point. Right. He's just going to keep making these high-minded, giant. Yeah, he should. But oh, I maybe, love. Maybe these particular movies. movie critics need to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> I love New Zealand horror. They make the funniest horror movies, um, and uh, and I think a ton of that is is owed to him. I think he's kind of the legend in New Zealand horror filmmakers. One day he'll make the um, killing at the Shrier or something like that, or like. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> yeah, Frodo Baggins could con- like con- you know he could contract zombieism and then just go to town. That'd be fun. I see that. <laughs> I'd watch that Lord of the Rings movie. Oh, sp- see, there's another thing. I don't think George has ever seen a Lord of the Rings movie. Not that a right? one. I have not. I not saw about one. 15 minutes of that one that we went into just to see the restored 
What are we going to that for? It was the the first of the Hobbits, and it's because he changed the frame rate, and it was right. a different. We wanted to see what that looked process. like. Yeah. Yeah, I'd yeah. already seen the movie. Right. So you saw the first fifteen minutes. Man, you only had to stay for three more hours. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you the truth. It just doesn't. And I, uh, I'm not denying that they're probably very good, but boy, I, I can't be less interested. You know what? We could do a podcast on medieval horror, and you will not have seen any of it. <laughs> you will have skipped every single one. Yeah. <laughs> so what else we got, Paul? Um. Well, of course, there's, like, the whole um, zombie craze that, like, kind of oh, man. came and then, like, went away for a while, then, like, resurfaced again and, like, hasn't gone away. Yeah, again, I think you look at what what was going on in the world when it came out, when it went away, and when it came back. There's usually a correlation there. Yeah. there's the, So, you know, before uh, Night of the Living Dead, it was, um, they were voodoo, right? They were, it was a, a voodoo, like, Romero was the first one that made it sort of, they're dead. They're all messed up. They're, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and um, and that was a that was a reaction to Vietnam. And then he he was the one I think who would really repeatedly make it a political comment. Um, which is in the Dawn of the Dead. It was really about American consumerism, and you know, I mean, and, but that's the thing I think is that zombies are. It's so easy to pin a metaphor on a horde of zombies, mm-hmm. and I think that's why they always return. Because um, you know, when you're making a, a statement film, it's very easy to to use zombies to represent whatever it is you want to represent. And I think that was one of the reasons why they came back very strong when. W was in office because there were a lot of filmmakers who felt like just like in the late 60s and early 70s you could make a comment they felt like that sort of uh, it was it was easy to do it again but then of course the walking dead just made them incredibly popular yeah so yeah. then it then it was like abandon any political statement everybody wants to see zombies and then they just became sort of everything mm-hmm. definitely i think with uh, zombies a lot of that was people kind of realized that there was a lot more than just like dead people walking around like they realized that basically society would change and there's like that kind of inherent fear in people of like just in a moment society can kind of crash i think it kind of um it transcended what it originally was meant to be and it's definitely an interesting thing i mean now there's it's there's so much zombie stuff but it's definitely an interesting uh, genre to say the least it is, you know, I think too, uh, just, about, just around the time that they sort of jumped the shark, then all of a sudden uh, Zack Snyder and Danny Boyle made him run. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, it was like, damn, zombies are scary again. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Hey, Paul, I'm going to put you on the spot. There, I usually agree with them on almost everything, um, but there's one movie that they both hate terribly. And so I, I thought it was going to be crap. And I watched it. And I couldn't help but maybe so bad it was good. I, I really don't know. I've only seen it once, but it cost a good chunk of change to find a VHS because I like to collect the art cover. And I well worth it's well worth the price. But we need to get you to watch. Okay, um, children shouldn't play with dead things. Uh, <laughs> and, <laughs> I know, I know. But then Paul, you're gonna need to pick a side. You're either with me or against me, man. When you see that movie, I need to know if it's if it's good or if it's terrible. Yeah, it's a movie people have told me to watch for years, and like I'm like I'll get to it, and it's, yeah, I, I, I think I had a copy, but I like lost it in a move or something like that. But I'll, I'll definitely have to find that at some point. I'm sure Corey has it. He's got thousands yeah. of movies. <laughs> that's funny. That's one that we 
we watched again because you hadn't seen it. I hadn't seen it. And that's it. another one that I saw at the drive-in. when I, I spent a lot of time at the drive-in, apparently. I guess, yeah. uh, that's another one I saw at the drive-in when I was a kid. And I was proud of myself when we rewatched it for how many scenes I correctly remembered. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that's right. That well, was how. Was that kind of your first horror movie? I don't know. Maybe. It might have yeah. been. Um, but, uh, yeah, my cousins, again, were introducing me to that stuff. But uh, it's, yeah, it's bad, man. It's bad. But, you know. <laughs> That's all right. You know, some people, they, they do have that threshold of so bad, it's good. Yeah, and, so I and do. And that's totally he, fine. He doesn't. He George doesn't. Like, he can't ironically enjoy a horror movie. He can. And I can. I love And as, as, as he knows, one of my very favorite movies is Motel Hell. I love <laughs> that movie. And, boy, he, and Squirm is another one he can't tolerate. Of course, the one that he really hates is how zoo oh god yeah we did a review of that one a while back that film's amazing i love that movie (laughs) well believe me i I found out that i am in the minority i only have one or two here over on my island but well george i still haven't seen it so i'll let you know (laughs) it's it's so bizarre i'll hold out hope then but uh yeah it's boy that is not my bag i wanted to kick the tv in No, <laughs> but uh, hey, that's what it says. If you, if you like it, God bless you. Oh my God! And Texas Chainsaw Massacre too. He's still mad at me because I like it. He'll just bring it up periodically. I don't, I don't like nowhere. that at he all. He hated that so bad. I just thought it was such a disservice to the first one uh, that was so good, and then I just uh, yeah, it really went off in bad places for me. <laughs> hey Paul, do you remember what I told you about number two? Since you haven't seen it yet, do you remember that conversation I was trying to build you up for when we were going to do a Toby Hooper month? Um, I was like, look, it's nothing like the first one. Get that out of your head. Don't even pretend they're related. I was like, just think of it like an all-around different horror movie and and just see if you enjoy it. Kind of like Gremlins (laughs) 2 where where they're not serious about it at all. A little bit. It's got that very 80s sort of superficial – I mean, it just doesn't have the sort of artistic integrity of the first one at all. But – yeah, I like it. I always did like it because it's kind of disturbing. Yeah, what's her? Was it Carolyn Williams? Is that? Do I, am I remembering that right? Is that who the lead actress was? The DJ? Yes, I think so. Stretch. Okay. Stretch. <laughs> I remember she made a, a cameo in the Rob Zombie Halloween Part Two movie. And I was like, hey, that's that lady she from. Did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Dennis Hopper, Bill Mosley, and yeah, oh, Bill Mosley. He could be in anything. He pit, yeah, he, he's chop shop. You didn't hate him. He's always setting like a little piece of wire on fire and then scraping off. I did hate. I did hate him because <laughs> because he's constantly going. You know what I mean? He sounds like, "What do you think, Leatherface? Hey, Leatherface!" <laughs> I hated that. He's like, "You did in my plate." <laughs> he really. George was so mad at me for making him watch that movie. He was really mad. Yeah, I, I just I was really disappointed because it was totally like you said. It's totally don't even think of it as being in the same universe as the first one. Um, and I was just really disappointed in, in the tone. Yeah, I'm surprised they actually made a sequel to it because like it's one of those films that wraps up at the end. Where I mean, he, like it feels like it wraps up. It's like, what are they gonna do now? Like she got away, and you know he's just still crazy there. So. Yeah, well, actually, then then they made another next one. Text Chainsaw Massacre three stars Viggo Mortensen and four which is god-awful, stars Oscar winners Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah, and what the hell is... What's with that (laughs) mechanical leg thing? (laughs) I know! Yeah, four is just weird. 
you know, there's one thing I love about What's going parkour, on now. Though. I don't understand. It's four is just weird. <laughs> so, Paul, did you see number four, the next generation? Um, I haven't. I've only seen the first one in the remake and the prequel. Mm. Like, yeah, well, that's not too bad. Of, um, you ever see the see um, Silent Night, Deadly Night two? Yes. Oh my God, it made me so ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Garbage day. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not making this up. We just said that at work the other day. We just kept going, garbage day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of those films where it's like 50% just like the, the original film, just flashbacks, and the rest of it's just ridiculous. Like, yep. What, what were you thinking? <laughs> There's like a trend to that. Like, um, wasn't um, The Hills Have Eyes 2 kind of like that? Where it was like, oh, God. Yeah. That was so. Yeah, The Hills Have Eyes 2, I thought, was much more disappointing than Texas Chainsaw 2. Mm. Oh, yeah. Agreed. It was, yeah. It was just neutered and stupid. And, uh, I mean, for as, as, you know, like envelope pushing as the original was, oh, the second one could have been made for TV. Yeah. Yeah, I think The Hills Have Eyes 2 was about as necessary as if they had made a, a you know, Last House on the Left 2. It would make right. no sense. Like, why? Right. And it was sad. It made me sad because, because you know, Wes Craven made it. Mm. It's not even yeah. like, you know, it's not even like he, he let somebody do a sequel to his property. He actually directed that giant flaming turd. Well, as we talked about, he has his peaks and yeah, he, he, has his he has his valleys. He does have his valleys. He absolutely does. He does. Is there anything else you want to go over, Paul, with our decades of horror? Um, I'm trying to think of like some other decades we haven't covered. Um, well, your favorite decade you kind of mentioned with the um, the silent films. Um, anything you want to say about any of those? Only if you guys want to talk for another two hours. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think everybody understands that you know one horror movie. It's it's always loosely based on another horror movie. Whether the filmmaker is inspired by it, they saw it when they were younger, or they watch it and they think. I like that idea, but I feel like I can do something better. And so many things dial back to the silent film era. And uh, I think they would agree with me that, you know, a movie that's a lot better than Dracula, Nosferatu. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love that movie. It's my favorite vampire movie. It's my favorite vampire. Mm -hmm. uh, Max Shrek, Nosferatu. Well, and there's so many. You look at those, a lot of those silent movies, and uh, obviously they had to rely on, on visuals. And there are so many iconic visuals in, in, in a lot of the, when you think of something like uh, Dr. Caligari, uh, you know, just especially the, the, um, restored version of that or Phantom of the Opera, just, just little snippets, not, not even full scenes, just with frames that, that just stay with you that are so well constructed and, and, and put together that they're, they're unforgettable really. Definitely. Yeah. You, you just mentioned my favorite movie of all time, Phantom of the Opera. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's great. I, I love it so much that I have never and will never watch the Universal remake that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be it's, great. Um, I don't know. I'm just not going to do and, it. And so much of that, you know, even you know, camera angles like when he's when he's up there uh, on top of the the building and the the, the wind is blowing, mm -hmm. you know, and and the camera is down below looking up at him, it makes it even more fearsome. Um, there, there's so many different, uh, you know, uh, cool looking shots and, and framings in that movie. Uh, and, and then the way he looks, of course, is, right. is fantastic. And that is iconic still today. Right. And the, the captain of Dr. Caligari is so gorgeous it to is. look at. I mean, it's so 
it's just so like visually almost overstimulating. Mm -hmm. and, and I think you're right. I mean, they weren't dealing with dialogue. They knew it was just going to be title cards. And, the, you know, the type of acting that the directors had to focus on was so much different and less nuanced mm -hmm. than today yeah. that really the energy was on the visual element of the of the film. Um, and, um, and, and I think that that's one of the reasons that, especially in horror, they just looked so nightmarish and gorgeous. Yeah, they look fantastic. One thing with yeah. um, Phantom of the Opera was in certain scenes, depending on like what kind of tone they were trying to set, the underwater kind of uh, theater looks like, sometimes it looks like a an underwater city and it's really nice, and other times it's like a dungeon, so I think that that film mm. really like, did a lot for like setting tone in like, future movies. Like, oh. Yeah, I think you're right. Speaking of uh, Dr. Caligari, that has got to be one of the best movie posters that I've ever seen. There's one yeah. that it's not the traditional one. It's not even the second traditional one, but there's a weird one and it has her kind of laying down and he's hovering over her and it just, it's just so melodramatic and it looks so artsy and it's like a $200 poster. I will have hmm. it one day. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's not horror, but my favorite movie poster is still Step Brothers with uh, Will Ferrell. <laughs> 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 John C. Riley. That is a pretty great. That is a pretty great movie poster. Do a whole podcast on just movie posters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, any um, last words on decades of work? Well, I think, like we talked about in the beginning, I think right now is such a great time to be hopeful and excited about the output we're seeing from new directors and and you know independent film, right. especially. Um, you know, A24 is killing it, and now yeah, we've got that neon yeah. that just came out that appears to be killing it. Yeah. And uh, it's it's a it's a great time. I mean, we've been so impressed over the last just few years. Uh, I think there's great reason to be excited. What do you think about just what's in theaters right now, right this minute? You can still see Get Out, right? And Raw is in theaters, which mm -hmm. is brilliant. And um, The Void, which is great. And The Black Coat's Daughter, which is mm -hmm. really, yeah. really great. There's no better time on earth to be a horror and fan. Then than there's right a lot now. of buzz on that the big bat, the bad batch. The yeah. yeah, and Lily Amapor. Yeah, I'm all in. Looking forward to that. So, yeah, it's a it's a good time right now. A really good time. One thing I, so, I noticed was I think about like really iconic monsters in film like um, Frankenstein, Dracula, Mummy, and, uh, and Wolfman. And I think of like slashers like um, Jason and Freddy and Michael Myers. I haven't really seen too much like in the last like. 10 years of like really iconic figures so I'm, i might be wrong on that i just can't really think of any but i'm kind of wondering if there's going to be anything like that i guess you can't tell till years later but um it's true you know what i think you're right and one of the things that i think might influence that is the um tremendous popularity of um superhero movies Right, because because all of the focus is on the, the villain. You've got like these, you know, iconic superhero comic book villains, and I think it has kind of taken some of the, um, I don't know, menace out of them as as horror film icons. It's just a thought that I have. I don't well, have anything to back that up. And don't forget, you've got uh, Tom Cruise's version of the Mummy coming out here pretty soon. Oh my God, <laughs> how awful does that look? <laughs> Yeah, I couldn't tell what the hell was going on. <laughs> I was like, is this another Mission Impossible crossover? <laughs> but, you know, as we're kind of coming to a close, I, w I wanted to throw one more big question out, and it's right in tone with what we're talking about. We say that, you know, horror movies, you know, now's the time to be a horror fan. Horror's picking back up. It's getting better and better again. 
What's the number one movie you're looking forward to that's coming out this year? I'm very much, like I just mentioned, I'm very much looking forward to this Bad Batch. Um, you know, we loved uh, Girl Walks Home Alone at Night uh, from Anna Lily Amanpour, and this is her next one. And uh, everything I'm reading um, has, has a lot of great buzz. Um, so that's the, that's the first one right now uh, on, the, on, on my radar. Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's that's really the thing that I'm probably the looking most forward to. Uh, you know, uh, uh, Raw was huge for me. Um, Get Out was huge for me. And um, sadly, Belco Experiment, which turned out to suck. They were the ones I was most looking forward to. I guess It also, to be honest yes. with you. i got to say looking forward to It. Yeah, I saw Belco Experiment. It was, well, it was definitely gory, but it was... God, that ending was terrible. Yeah, I, I was very disappointed. I, I thought it was didn't really bring anything new at all, anything really new or interesting. And I was particularly disappointed because not only is the director a good one, but the James Gunn wrote it, yeah. right? So he wrote he wrote and directed Guardians of the Galaxy. He wrote and directed Slither, Slither. which is one of my very favorite creature feature Kevin horror movies. I mean, there are so many great things that he's done, and I expected it to be funny. Um, and I expected it to be more, I don't know, savvy, have something political to that to say, but it didn't. Um, so I was sad about that. I guess I'm a little more open to, I got, I got like a whole book of like, can't wait for this one. Can't wait for, I, yeah. I'm, I'm so ready to, to dial into, you know, it and Annabelle two and, uh, insidious four. And then, <laughs> you know, Leatherface is coming out probably beginning of next year, but just, just, I feel like the next six months are going to be so packed. We're really hoping that the Suspiria remake comes out this year. This is one we're excited about. Yeah. And then, even, yeah, and then uh, Eggers, who did The Witch, yeah. which we loved, he has started filming Nosferatu, which he's remaking, so I can't wait to see that. Yeah. Um, I, I'm really not a fan of the original Suspiria, but everybody involved in this new one. Oh, I, Tilda Swinton. I'm, I'm on board. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely. You yeah, think I that Chloe's going to do a good job? I do. I, I mean, I do. I, George, especially. You're a big Chloe Moretz fan. Yeah, I mean, she's had some some missteps, if I say. Carrie. But um, I think she's, she's talented, yeah. And um, the the, cat, the the supporting cast that I've read about that one, um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful because uh, I, I've always, that's another one that I always kind of get the side eye for, for bad-mouthing it. Uh, but I think it's pretty boring, the original. Hopefully I'm looking to... Looking that they can bring bring something bring some freshness into it. What about Dark Tower? So I'm not familiar with that book mm. at all. Is that a, is that horror? I know it's Stephen King and it's Idris Elba. So yes, please. But mm. um, I don't know. Is it is that horror? I believe so. Yeah, I saw the original, which was um, well, not the original. I saw some version of it. And it was really terrible. But I think they were trying to make it a horror film. So I'm, I'm going to go with yes on that one. And I'm just going to say that those books are way too long, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I just, yeah, it just looks like sort of post-apocalyptic Wild West to mm. me, but I don't know. I'm but sure. um, Stephen King, I'm thinking maybe. Huh? Yeah. So, I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing that anyway. I think the movie I'm looking forward to the most is probably Alien Covenant. Like, that could be the oh. really good or really bad. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm worried that I'll be. I was pretty disappointed in Prometheus. Yeah, I liked it better than you did. Yeah. Um, but I'm not loving the trailer. No. For, I'm, I'm not. I'm not. No. But you know, we'll hold out some hope. We will. Yeah. Could go one way or the other. Um. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about the remake of it. Like, um, I've seen the. It'll trailers. be good. It's like, I. It's gonna be weird not having Tim Curry there. Like. 
Yeah. That's really true. I got to yeah. give you that. Tim Curry is, he's the best no matter what he is. He's the best <laughs> evil clown. He's the best Satan. He's the best sweet transvestite. He's the best everything. Yeah. Um, but the, you know, the trailer for the first one looks good. And I'm glad they're breaking it into two movies because the second half of that book just sucks. <laughs> and the resolution is terrible. But we can still hold out hope that the first movie will be great because then it's still about that clown. Yeah, the clown. Huh. I, uh, I did not know they're breaking it into two movies. Last I heard, that was the yeah, case. Is that true? I'm not. Yeah. I don't know. If I remember right, the the original, yeah, the TV, it went on. It was a miniseries, it was right? It went on for yeah. days. Yeah. So. yeah. And part one had the clown and the little kids and was awesome. And part two had all the sitcom stars. And uh, I'm not going to give it away, <laughs> but it's not a clown and it's not scary and it sucks. <laughs> oh, Dave, they're coming out with Saw Eight. Oh yeah, I forgot. That's on my list too. <laughs> oh, Legacy. You know. So bad. I don't yeah. understand. They said I'm dedicated, man. If I've seen the first one, I'll watch every single sequel. So Yeah, I'm going to end up seeing it. I know it, but like, I'm not going to like it. I'm just going to sit there in the theater angry until it's over. Just they like Rings? Just, called me. just like Rings? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's another one. I was so mad watching that movie. I wasn't the only one either because there's these two women in front of me and they was like, oh my God, I can't believe we came to this. I like, Dude, I hear you. <laughs> Would you say it's better or worse than the Poltergeist remake, which was awful? It's worse than the Poltergeist remake. Oh gosh, there's no hope. <laughs> yeah, no. Reminds me, I for some reason ended up ended up seeing the movie The Bye Bye Man, which was really bad. Oh, and jeez. Um, I just remember walking out of the theater, and there's this couple walking out too, and the um the guy was just apologizing to his girlfriend for taking. Should have been a drive-in. Anything else anybody wants to say on this topic? Or? No, it's. Uh, yeah, I think that we appreciate us. the uh, getting the chance to talk it up. Yeah, thank you for joining us, guys. It's been um, a lot of fun. So, yep, uh, this has been um, another B movie chat on horror through the decade. Mm-hmm.